Welcome back to the program. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are a good and loving Father, that you reveal to us who you are in Jesus' holy name. And I ask that, Father, you would reveal to us your goodness, your love, your kindness. Help us to be able to recognize what it is that you're doing in our lives. Help us to recognize the shortness of our lives and the opportunity that you've given to us to work while it is still light. To work while it is still light. Um, for we were alive during that moment. And, and Lord, I, I thank you for that gift. Lord, help us to recognize what's at stake in in uh, taking seriously the stewardship that is ours. Thank you, Lord, for that. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's, uh, it's great to be with you today. We've got a number of stories to share. And I think one of the overarching stories has to do with the way that the life that we maybe chose for ourselves or when when you have a life that is just going along in a way that feels pretty good, feels like things are, are going pretty well, and all of a sudden there's a an opportunity for a change or maybe there arises a, a, a crisis, a challenge that then puts into question the, the status quo. It puts into question... Should I really be doing what I'm doing? And it opens up a whole new vista, and the, the challenge then becomes, do I step through? Right? Do I feel that sense of freedom to step through and embrace that, that new reality? Uh, I bring that up in part because of a conversation I had um, on Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday morning on Sound Insight, I had on a guest, uh, Craig Howard from Family Promise, dealing with homelessness and home, especially homeless families uh, around the United States, and one of their larger centers is here in Spokane County. And uh, it was a it was a powerful interview. If you missed it, go to mycatholicfaith.org. You can listen to the interview again, or, or sign up for the Dr. Tom Curran podcast. You can listen to that program. But along during that interview, I it made me it made me come to what came to mind was another initiative, slightly different, but does uh, let's call it complementary work on the west side in Seattle called Operation Night Watch. And it there's a longer story around that I won't get into today, but the current executive director of Night Watch is a deacon in the Catholic Church, Frank D. Girolamo. And he had been posting in the past, I guess I'd say in the past year, um, some inspiring anecdotes of his work reaching out to the homeless in the Seattle area, which has been a very painful reality in, in the Seattle area, which if you're from that area, you you see it. You see it if you're just driving on I-5 through the city um, or just going through the downtown. And he has felt this call to do something about that, to, to go and be the light of Christ among them and to minister to Christ in his distressing disguise. And I remember a number of times seeing these posts, whether it was on Facebook or on LinkedIn, I found them very uh, powerful, 
powerful stories and, and somewhat convicting. Well, I found out, again, it might have been through LinkedIn, it was through one, some social media platform that he had um, left his position uh, in the Archdiocese of Seattle, not stopped being a Catholic deacon, but left his position working in the Archdiocese to serve uh, Operation Nightwatch, which provides a place of shelter and food for homeless people in Seattle. And when I saw that, I was really struck by the this change, right? Because here's a here's a man who I first met. I'm going to tell you the story. I'm, I'm kind of giving you this tea up because I reached out to him. We talked, and I'm going to have him on as a guest, hopefully in the next week or two, to talk more about this journey. But to highlight just for this moment, like here's a man who... Uh, you know, moved into this area, was was serving um, professionally, and then started to serve in the Catholic Church. Um, I won't tell you his whole story, because I don't know his whole story, but um, going on becoming a deacon and then serving in the, ch- the church in institutional setting, which which frankly can be um, more comfortable. It can be pretty, pretty cushy. <laughs> and, then, and then from there to go right on the... Uh, on the outer edge where the church meets the world and is being salt, light, and leaven, that's really something. And, and there's something about that shift. It's pretty dramatic. That's more than pretty. It is dramatic. And it highlighted for me some of the dramatic shifts that I've seen in my own life. Not only the shift of over 300, about 300 miles across the state, shifting my whole family over here. Some of the shifts that I've also seen in the messaging that I've felt called to uh, bring out into the open on Sound Insight, emphasizing messages that were much more prophetic than uh, maybe more comforting um, or encouraging or positive, but instead uh, more a clarion call for us to stand up, speak out, push back. You hear me say that kind of phrase, and that this is not an ordinary time. This is a, a moment to take action. But it's easy to say that stuff on the radio. But the question is, Tom, are you living that in your life? It's easy to say challenging things. The question becomes, are we living a challenging life? Are we, are we living a life that confronts apathy? Are we living lives that confront a sense of um, being uh, scarce and, and, and minimalistic in our service? Or are we provoking generosity? There you go. Are you living a life that provokes generosity? Or, let's even flip it around, are we even open to the Lord to have him provoke us into an entirely different way of living. Are we open to that? On, on Sunday, on the, Lord, on the Lord's Day, on Father's Day, during the evening, uh, I had a chance to share some stories growing up with my kids that were at home and carry uh, as part of a larger Father's Day sharing. I'll talk about that later in the program too, but one of the stories that came up was 
the way that we would find, we would sort of hunt down bees' nests. <laughs> and one of the ways that we would destroy these big bees' nests that we would find around our yard or our neighbor's yards was to go up close and shake the branch it was on. And sure enough, the bees would be provoked into action. And part of that being provoked into action was the bees would then swarm and chase after the one who provoked them. And I think that sometimes I feel like we Catholics have been slumbering like bees in a comfortable hive. And the Lord comes and shakes shakes the branch that the beehive is in to provoke us to move, to chase after the Lord, to follow after what he's doing. And that actually has been reflective of a conversation Carrie and I have been having in these past, it probably goes back months, and maybe even just saying that a conversation like this can go on for months is maybe part of the answer to the question that we were posing, which is, are we running ahead of God or are we falling behind God? (laughs) Do you ever think about that? Do you ever think about, you feel inspired to do something, you feel a sense of a call to start an initiative, to get involved in a ministry, to become involved in a program or a project, to tackle a, a pressing issue of the day, right? Come on now, that, that must be alive in you in some ways. And if not, maybe we need to shake the branch you're on and break us out of lethargy. And lethargy doesn't mean we're not busy. Lethargy means that we can be so busy just doing other stuff that we don't even leave room for a prompting from God to say, I'm going to move you forward. I'm going to get you going even faster and further and, uh, and, and uh, to become holier and to be a brighter light for me in the world. Well, I've been saying this to Carrie. I, I feel this call to take an action to gather together folks who are in our area, who are seeking a deeper sense of fellowship and faith formation. And just paying attention to what's showing up and paying attention to who's showing up. And as you know, if you listen to Sound Insight, um, there are just so many families that have moved to eastern Washington and northern Idaho that just don't have deep roots here because they're recent transplants. Uh, we've taken the call calling them and us refugees in the sense that we've left behind homes, not because of our choice, but here we are. And there's a sense of, no, we're not just victims, but God's involved. God is involved. And there's this growing sense that we're supposed to do something to gather together those who are here and that are hungering for something deeper, hungering to go deeper into faith. And I, I, I'm of a mindset that says, Carrie, I feel like we're, like God's saying to us, what are you waiting for? <laughs> what are you waiting for? How much longer are you going to wait before you do something? And Carrie is of the mindset that says, God is saying, hold the line. I'm not recommending R-rated movies, but there's an R-rated movie called Gladiator. And it's about a gladiator. <laughs> <laughs> who was a Roman general. And in one of the first scenes in the movie, this Roman general is leading the Roman army into battle. And he's riding with his cavalry, sort of doing like a rear flank attack. 
and he's yelling as they're racing towards the line, hold the line, hold the line. And like, don't run ahead of me. Don't run ahead of me. And one of the, one of the uh, signs that he gives to the other general is uh, when I give you the signal, unleash hell. And, and I think hell is the name of the dog, but I think it, it maybe it's a double entendre. But um, when I give the signal, unleash hell. And Kerry's sense is the Lord is saying, hold the line. Don't get ahead of me. Don't get ahead of me. But when I give the signal, I'm going to unleash heaven. I'm going to unleash the Holy Spirit, which I think is a pretty cool analogy. I, I really like that, that the Lord is moving and he has a bunch of folks moving along with him, but there's, a, there's we're still in that moment of waiting. We're still in that moment of of attentive waiting for the signal for the sign come holy spirit come holy spirit god you're you're doing something and we're sensing it we're seeing it we're we're seeing the signs so you pay attention to the signs that are showing up and then based on that you're, you're called upon to interpret the signs and then take action so is this part of your life? Is this something that, that you ever wonder about? Is this something that you ponder and say, Lord, I don't want to be behind. If you've already given us the graces we need to get started, to get moving, to move forward further, to accomplish the good that is stirring within us, well, then let's get off our butts and let's get moving. Let's do something about this. Let's not let the perfect be the enemy of the really good. Let's not uh, be held back because we don't have everything in perfect order. Let's go. Let's go. That's more me. That's that's more my approach. And I, Carrie is is, and so Carrie and I have been doing just some arm wrestling around this, uh, around when do we what what are signs that we look for to help us realize that we're waiting for the Lord to give us the signal to then move, to go, versus, you know what? The Lord's already given us every grace and signal we need. What are we waiting for? Why, why aren't we doing something? It's the Matrix story of uh, Neo, the, the one, going and see the prophet, the oracle, and the oracle, he says to the oracle, I'm not the one. And he says, you know, what are you waiting for? She says, what are you waiting for? And, and he says, I don't know. Um, and, and so there's that sense of, you already know, you've, given, you've been given everything you need. Just, just go. When we come back, we're going to give you a little update on what are the signs we've seen and what are we going to do about it. Back in a minute. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Cohen. In this segment of the program, I'm going to share with you a little bit more about Carrie and my just discernment about what is the Lord unleashing? What's the, what's the grace of heaven that the Lord's unleashing right now, and what are we going to do about it? And then talk more about Father's Day and ask you, what are you going to do about it? Because the clock is ticking, and no one's getting any younger. No one is getting any younger. So uh, 
Carrie and I just discerning, uh, we don't want to fall behind the Lord. We don't want to get ahead of the Lord. We want to run along with the Lord. Well, what are some signs that now is the time? One of the most prominent signs is who's showing up in our lives right now. And when I say who's showing up, I mean principally who's showing up by the fact that they're moving here. And they end up reaching out to me and have been blessed to be able to serve them um, and help them with their real estate needs. But it's really about helping them find a new life here in the area, whether it's northern Idaho or eastern Washington. And there's a there's a theme that runs through many of these families. And the theme is this mentioning of or deep connection to the Holy Spirit. And when I say deep connection to, I'm talking most simply about a lot of people moving here have had a rich and transformative impact in their lives of faith through their involvement in the Catholic charismatic renewal. So, Again, many of them are coming from the Seattle area, whether it was at St. Stephen the Martyr in Renton with Father White, or at Holy Family with Father Nagel, or at uh, St. Pius the Tent Mount Lake uh, uh, in Mount Lake Terrace. Um, there have just been several cities and several parishes uh, that have had. Um, people with uh, whose lives have been touched by the baptism in the Holy Spirit, by this openness to have the gift and grace of the Holy Spirit released within them, the power of Pentecost released in the gifts and graces uh, that you'll see mentioned in the scriptures alive in them. And it manifests itself through a desire for praise and worship, a desire to come together with other Catholic Christians and to sing songs of praise and worship. And there's a story that I hear mentioned enough times now that it's a phenomenon and the story is that you have fervent faith-filled catholics who go to mass on sunday but in addition to going mass on sunday they will also go to a non-catholic church christian church that has praise and worship pentecostal uh, it can be non-denominational um, it can be some form of evangelical, but the, the common thread is they have really good praise and worship, songs of praise that give them space, give them the invitation, give them the, the opportunity to open their hearts with a fullness and to praise God in song with other believers who praise God in song with full voice. And it's not emotionalism. It involves the passions. It involves that dimension of our lives. And our, take a look at our tradition. <laughs> it's, it's, heart, it's mind and heart and emotions all integrated together. Emotionalism isolates one from the others and, and identifies emotional experiences with the reality of faith. And it's not that. But neither is it shunting the, that off the realm of the emotions, and somehow saying, if I'm going to grow in faith, it means subduing that aspect of our lives. I mean, Psalm 95, how does morning prayer, how does the office, 
the divine office, the liturgy of the hours begin. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will proclaim your praise, is the very first announcement of the liturgy of the hours. And then the opening invitatory psalm is, come let us sing to the Lord and shout with joy to God our Savior. Let us praise him with thanksgiving and sing joyful songs to the Lord. Who does that? Bring me to a place where Catholics do that. <laughs> where are Catholics singing to the Lord with full voice, with a sense of fervor and vibrancy and, and a sense of they're all in on praise. You see better, you see better, more enthusiastic praise at football games in the stands, at basketball games in the stands than you do in Catholic worship. Uh, it's, 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 it's a sad reality. That doesn't mean that every Mass ought to become a charismatic display. I don't mean that at all. But should we put into question at all if Catholics somehow are lacking freedom, lacking a sense of that openness to worship the Lord with full voice, to praise Him, His holy name, Holy, holy, holy Lord, there is a degree of freedom that comes. Freedom that comes in worshiping God with full voice. And it's a gift. It's a gift. It's a grace. It's, it's not simply about temperament. It's not simply about uh, having a particular form of spirituality. It is a gift and grace of the Holy Spirit that I believe— and I believe with the authority, beautiful, beautiful, sweet authority of popes like Paul VI and St. John Paul II and Pope Benedict, that the charismatic renewal has been an incredible, immense gift and grace of the church flowing from and out of the Second Vatican Council, but also being traced all the way back to Pope Leo XIII and his devotion to the Holy Spirit, his prayer for the coming of the Holy Spirit upon the 20th century, that there are definite uh, lines of discernment that see the work of God unfolding in the 20th century involving the fruit, which is the charis Catholic charismatic renewal. And I see these families showing up, families that have a maturity in formation, a maturity in um, their, uh, the, the way that their, their lives have been changed through the gift in, in, of the grace of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and this longing to now praise God and to have places to praise and worship God. So I'm paying attention to what's showing up, and there are enough of these folks around, gifted in different ways, gifted to lead worship, to sing beautifully, neither of which I have as gifts. <laughs> but then other gifts that are associated with this charismatic praise and worship, which would be things like an expectant faith that the Lord is communicating to us in words of that are prophetic, in words of knowledge, uh, that the Lord is operating in signs and wonders and deeds of power, in healing and miracles, and that we ought to be open to be formed and trained and to be anointed and moved in, in the use of these gifts. Love it. Let's go. Uh, Father Jim Northrup, who was the first co-host I ever had on Sound Insight, going all the way back to 2003, 
was the spiritual director for the Catholic Charismatic Renewal in Western Washington for years, spoke at many Catholic Charismatic events, and is well-known in Western Washington for his beautiful voice and gifting musically. And he would be right here alongside me saying, Amen, praise the Lord, (laughs) Uh, because of the ways that the Catholic Charismatic Renewal fundamentally shaped his priesthood his spirituality, how he lives his priestly life. And not the only one. He's not the only one, right? So uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what God is doing by bringing so many charismatic families to eastern Washington and northern Idaho. And I have this sense that there's going to be this coming together, this I don't want to call it a synthesis, but this mutual enrichment between the movement, which is the Catholic Charismatic Renewal, and the other movement, which is the traditional Latin Mass movement, this movement for a more reverent liturgy, a recovering of reverence in the liturgy, a recovery of the sacrificial emphasis of the sacred liturgy that these two are complementary rather than uh, in um, moving in different directions, rather than in conflict. Because there's a way in which uh, praise, praise that is in full voice, naturally flows to silent adoration and worship of God. That these two go hand in hand and ought not to be considered in conflict or adverse, adversely related. And so I know that that's what I've experienced in my own life and in my own spirituality, and I just sense that that's something that is going to continue to grow. I think part of the reason why I'm so excited about this was it's uh, Wednesday, and last night Carrie and I went to dinner with um, one of the families that we helped move here, and they just shared so, in a way that was so inspiring to me, it was so encouraging to me and to Carrie about how they've seen God at work, how God has been moving in their, in their lives, in their family. Um, and uh, in having moved here, there's this sense of God brought us here for a reason. We don't know why. God brought us to the home that we got. We had no desire to say this is the house that we want. We just bought it out of a sense of obedience that this is the house that the Lord had for us and we're going to buy it. And Lord, whatever you want, you, you can have this. This is, this is for you, Lord, whatever you want. And, um, and how they, in their journey, have bumped into people who have the same story. We're not exactly sure why God brought us here, but we didn't end up here by accident. It was the Lord who led us here. And we're not exactly sure what God is doing, but we're here and we're open and we're ready. I love that. Isn't that, first of all, isn't that a powerful way to live life? Isn't that a beautiful way, a glorious way to live life? That life isn't just my own sense of planning, my career arc, and now I'm headed towards retirement, and what am I going to do? And, and it's about me trying to have a sense of, okay, I've got things in place and settled and and well, Lord, now that my plan is, is working its way in, I can, I can give you a little more space here. I can give you a little bit more room there 
to work. No, I, I love the all-in spirit. I love that, that sense of, Lord, I just lay it all at your feet. I lay it all at your feet. Whatever you want, Lord. On Father's Day, we were at Mass, and I was um, praying quietly, and I had brought a book, Trustful Surrender to Divine Providence, and um, and then I uh, was I had another book of prayers. I gave the Trustful Surrender book to one of my daughters to read. This is before Mass, just to help prepare their hearts and minds for Mass. And if they got distracted during Mass, they can read uh, read some good spiritual reading. And in this prayer book, I opened it up, and it had happened to be about the Mass, and it happened to be about um, conformity with God's will. So there was some similar theme here about surrendering all to God, putting it all in God's hands, and having this sense of peace that if trials and adversity come, praise be to God. God is underneath it all. God will overcome it all. God is involved in all. God will be met in it all. If things happen that this world identifies and you experience as bad, as dark and broken, God was not powerless when those things happened. God what didn't have his back turned when those things happened. That God permitted them because he's bigger than they are and he can bring good from them. He either causes the things that happen or he permits them. And in permitting them, he has the ability to redeem any and all evil, dark brokenness that happens through them. And so trust that no matter what happens to you, God, his will will be done or he will do something greater. So trust in that and rest in peace in that. And I, I read that with this, this great sense of, all right, the Lord, you're teaching me a fundamental lesson here again. You're teaching me this fundamental lesson that says, in a time of economic fragility, in a time of financial constraints and difficulties, trust. Trust that the Lord, he's in charge. He's providential and he'll take care of you. He'll give you what you need. Maybe not what you want. Maybe not what's in accord with that career arc and that path and plan. But he will give you what you need. Trust him and entrust yourself to him. Put everything in his hands and watch what he will do for you. And I found that comforting. I found that comforting, especially after confession. I went to confession on Sunday. And the priest, I was one of the things I confessed was working on Sundays in a way that I was rationalizing my behavior. And uh, it got into a, a moment of um, priestly counsel during confession where uh, his conclusion was uh, I was working too hard. And, and that is a sign of not trusting enough in God and, in fact, missing out on the strength that God wanted to provide but will provide when I give him space and leisure and honor him on his day that he will then come in and give me the strength because I'm trusting in him and not trying to make it happen on my own. Remember, don't run ahead, don't fall behind, but run along with, and he will give the sign where he's unleashing the gift and grace that you need to do what he's calling you to do. All right, I'm up against a break. Back in a minute with more Sound Insight. 
Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. So I shared quite a bit about the, the power and the gift of the Catholic Charismatic Renewal. Um, it, it's been that deeply transformative in my life, in Carrie's life, in our married life. It's been impactful in the, the lives of many who are showing up here. So one of the things that we are doing is coming up in the end of next week. We're going to gather at my house, the families that we've helped move here, and we're having what we're calling a refugee party. Just, you know, and we don't mean that disrespectfully, but just that idea that we've been called from home, called to this place, and we're just going to be together, and we're going to praise and worship, and we're going to just talk and and, and pray and, and talk about what we're going to do to provide a place to gather people together for some integral faith formation, some faith formation for Catholics and others who want to go deeper in their lives as disciples. And so it's, we're doing it. Yay, we've prayed about it, talked about it, discussed it. I didn't want to, you know, fall behind. The Carrie didn't want to run ahead, but now's the time. We're just going to do it and see who shows up. I'm not going to let perfection be the enemy of the really good, but neither are we going to say that the Lord hasn't given us sufficient signs to realize that he's unleashing something. And so we're going to show up. We're going to show up to see what he's unleashing. So when we do actually gather where we gather, the time and place and all of that, I'll let you know, um, especially if you're obviously in this local area, love to have you come for, again, some time of praise and worship, some time of teaching. Um, and at first, at least, um, I'll give the, the teachings on, um, on kind of being, growing as disciples, as Catholic Christian disciples in this world. It's really focusing on some fundamental themes. And then uh, having a testimony from a family that is on that journey um, and made the journey here. And just to, to be encouraged by people sharing testimonies of faith, um, and then being able to offer times to fellowship um, or pray with each other, and even just like learning how to, how do, how do I pray with another couple? How do I pray with my spouse? How do I, how do we minister in prayer to people who are in need? So how it's all going to work out, don't have all the details yet, but you know what? Not that concerned. What I am concerned about is delaying and letting time float by and letting that sense of uh, still have the energy, still have the ability, still have that opportunity to, to be a blessing to families. Don't want that to pass by. Don't want to miss that moment. The Lord gave me a sign. If I was looking for a sign, it's a very humble thing I'm going to share with you right now. Um, and it's literally, it's not quite as plain as the nose on my face, but it's, it's plain as the spots on the back of my hands. Yep. Um, one of the things that I remember as a young man was that I noticed that old people had on the back of their hands these brown spots almost like splotches and no idea what they were probably weren't freckles, but it was something that was not uncommon among old people on the backs of their hands, these spots. 
I tell you, two days ago, for the first time in my life, I looked at the back of my hands and I see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, I'll call it nine spots. <laughs> like, oh my goodness. I, I can't even say I'm getting old. I'm old. And it, it, I connected it back to that memory and I'm thinking, oh, wow. What am I waiting for? Time is short. And I, it's, it's the sense of stewardship. It's the sense of saying, if the Lord has handed on to me something, I want to make sure that I spend the time that I'm given on a noble pursuit where I can hand on to others the, the gift and the giftings that I myself have received. St. Paul mentions that in 1 Corinthians 15. It's considered by many scripture scholars as one of the oldest pieces of writing in the New Testament. If you said what, trace it back to one of the oldest texts in the, in the New Testament. It's 1 Corinthians 13 where, 15 where Paul says, I hand on to you, I hand on to you first of all what I myself has received. Namely that Jesus Christ, and he, and he preaches the gospel. Just the simple, simple preaching of the gospel. And that Christ suffered and died and rose again. Um, and, and that's what stewardship is. If you're listening to my voice, you've received a lot. You've received so much in comparison to the majority of the world. Just to say a Catholic faith and a Catholic faith that has given you the impetus to say, I want to pay attention to my faith and I want to grow in my faith and I want to live as a faith-filled disciple in the world in this moment in history. What a gift you've received. You know how much, how far advanced you are in the, in the lineup of the good things that are needed in this world to fulfill God's purpose and plan for your life? You're like really close to the front of the line, brothers and sisters. And that means to whom much has been given, much will be expected. Much will be expected. And we're living in one of those moments. Much is expected of us. Much is expected of Catholic Christians right now. Right now. Because we're called to hold the line. And now I'm using it in a defensive posture. We're called to hold the line against the attacks that are coming against innocent babies in their wombs. What a terrible thing killing babies in their mother's wombs, slaughtering babies in their mother's wombs. That's what abortion does. It's terrible. And if you see the rhetoric that has spun up in the last few months, it has become so much clearer that those that are pro-abortion, they are pro-abortion, they are for the killing of babies in their mother's wombs. Take a look at the scenes that are playing out in front of Supreme Court justices' homes in front of churches, uh, Catholic churches, Catholic churches, after the leak of the uh, what was likely going to be the opinion or the decision of the Supreme Court, and we'll find out soon enough um, about that decision, whether Roe Ro versus Wade is going to be overturned. Um, and you see with such greater clarity that those in leadership and those that are the most outspoken proponents 
of abortion and keeping abortion legal, they know very well it's killing a baby. I refuse to be an incubator messaging going out, meaning they know that it's a baby and showing baby parts as part of their disgusting displays in front of, again, churches and in churches and in front of Supreme Court justices' houses. It's unmasked. It's just unmasked. And what are we doing? Catholics, what are we doing? If we can't stand up for unborn babies in their mother's wombs as being worthy of protection, who are we? Who are we as men? If we can't stand up and protect innocent babies in their mother's wombs, if you ever, ever were in a public place, and it's just even, it's a disgusting thing to even think about. It's a horrible thing to think about. A little baby in a, in a baby carrier, uh, in a car seat, right? That, and having some guy go up and pinch the baby and causing the baby to cry. And then pinching the baby again and the baby screams. And you saw that. You saw a guy pinching a, a newborn baby in a little car seat, and then the baby cries, and then he pinches the baby again. What would you do? I hope you get outraged and 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 the sense of, I am going to intervene to stop this guy from pinching a little baby. That's absolutely defenseless. And yet we permit abortion. And we wash our hands and keep a distance. How dare we? Who are we? What have we become when we can't even stand up? And, and what is more disgusting is that there are Catholic politicians who promote and protect and advance baby killing and abortion. They promote it, protect it, and advance it. And they deceive and they lie and they hide, and they obfuscate, and they, they mischaracterize the reality of the baby slaughter in mother's wombs. And they call themselves Catholic. Who are we to, to permit that as Catholics? Shame on us. Time, time, time out. Game over. No more. We've got to stand up for life. And now the battle is coming to the forefront. Now we're going to see where we stand. Back in a minute. Welcome back to Sound Insight. Pretty stirred up right now um, because of this reality of time is short. And it's going to become more clear where we stand about issues. I think we've become so immune and numb to the issue of the baby slaughter that abortion is that we've become numb to it and the impact that it has. And sadly, it feels, the, it feels the same that this wave, this wave of sexual identity confusion that brings such horrific damage to the lives of so many young people that is now rampantly being sewn into the hearts and minds and 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 lives of little innocent kids in public schools through comprehensive sexuality education in a transgender ideology. And we don't stand up for it. 
We don't stand up and say, God made you male and female, and that's a beautiful thing, and we want you to flourish, and, and we want you as parents to be able to flourish in helping raise your kids to flourish in the authentic sexual identity that God has given them as male and female. We, we don't have the courage to stand up for that. It's scriptural, it's traditional, it's scientific, it's psychologically healthy. We can't even stand up for that. Who are we? Who are we? Are we men? Well, I'm not sure. You hear about this Matt Walsh documentary, What is a Woman? Check it out. I haven't watched it yet, but I heard it's worth seeing. What is a woman? It gives, uh, and I should I should watch it before I, but the way it's been described is it just unmasks again the the emptiness and the the the, the bankruptcy of the transgender ideology in the face of the simplest of questions, what is a woman? And how people are just left speechless and looking foolish and realizing that, wait a minute, you're being sold a bill of goods that's not only an empty lie and bankrupt, it's dangerous. It's, it's sad. And it's leading to such harm in the lives of kids. And when are we going to stand up, speak out and push back? with beautiful, scriptural, life-giving truths that God made us male and female and, and be able to flourish and find life in that. And if there are some who struggle to feel that deeply in their bones, in their lives, in their hearts, then let's help them. Let's help them discover help to be able to discover, recover, or come to be able to live well with a sense of their own sexual identity. So there's so much there's so much that requires us today as Catholic Christian disciples of Jesus Christ to live well, to live with authentic love, an authentic love that says I love you enough to not let you get away with what I know is not good for you. Can we do that as parents? To I love you enough to speak the truth into your life in a way that will help lead you to flourish as an individual, creating the image of God, having dignity as a preciousness. And I don't want you to, to, to buy a lie, to be betrayed by those who cleverly will present you with a, a path forward that will lead to darkness and, and, and brokenness in your life. But this will, this will take an effort and a willingness to speak out against a culture uh, and, and forces in our culture that will sever and weaken the relationship between parents and their kids, between the church and the world. And it's, it's time to take a stand, but we won't, we won't be able to do it or do it well without the Holy Spirit, without the power of God at work in our lives. On Sunday... It was Father's Day, and one of the activities that we did uh, in our home on Sunday evening was uh, gathered together, the kids that were there, a couple of kids down in New Orleans. As I mentioned to you, they're doing mission work for the week, my two boys. And so the uh, five of my seven daughters were home. Uh, two are out of the home. And uh, the five that were there um, had a chance to, they all wrote a card for me, which was really sweet. And then, um, and then Carrie had questions for me. She had questions for me. Really interesting. 
uh, one of her questions was like, what are the three attributes that my father uh, showed me by how he was my father, how he lived as my father, and he's still alive, but growing up under his fatherly care that I most appreciated? What were those three attributes? And it, it was so interesting because um, the first one was the one that immediately came to mind, how hard he worked. He just worked so hard. Uh, and I, I went on and told some stories about that. And, um, and then I talked about his, um, his entrepreneurialism, his willingness to take risks, to be visionary and to pursue uh, making those visions real in his uh, professional life. And that led to some really interesting stories that my kids got to hear about my dad. And I just, I want to pause there because the idea of connecting our kids to earlier generations takes effort. It takes some time. It takes some intentionality. And and so to be able to do that is, is a real gift that you can give to your kids. Uh, there's a, I believe it's a Chinese proverb it might be from a different culture that says, when an elder dies, you lose a library. When an elder dies, you lose a library. And a library obviously is a, it's a source of information, but also a source of true knowledge and wisdom. And obviously one of the meanings of that is not only that the elder is a, uh, is a is a source of historical facts, but also someone who sees further. You know, they may be uh, they may have lost some of their physical sight, but they see further into history, further into the past, and so there's a kind of uh, knowledge that has come through the fire. Right? That's what wisdom is. It's a knowledge that is the fruit of having experienced something. And, and often that experiences of things that are, are painful and difficult. But those painful, difficult things are sometimes where the most precious bits of wisdom come from. So, um, so being able to pass on to your kids the wisdom and insights that you got from your father are, can be a beautiful gift. Anyways, it was it was uh, it was neat because the conversation just sort of flowed around, and then and then Carrie said, "What is one of the things that I enjoy most about being a father?" What well, great question! What do you enjoy about being a father? And it took me no time at all to answer the question. I said, "What I enjoy about being a father is watching." and experiencing you kids enjoy each other. I, en I enjoy, as a father, watching my kids and experiencing my kids enjoy each other. Whether that's um, playing a, a game, basketball, or they have a couple of other new games involving nets, uh, Crossnet and some other um, other games like that, 
or soccer or pool, playing pool now, um, or some board game. Just watching the kids welcome each other, make room for each other, uh, laugh together, uh, tease each other in, in ways that are not har- harmful and sarcastic and, and mean, but playful and, uh, again, evoking uh, laughter. And I can just sit back because that, for me, that's a glimpse of the life of God. That's a pretty big statement. It's a glimpse of the life of God. The life of God is a mysterious, infinite, perfect communion of persons. And the church says that the family is to be a communion of persons after the image of the Trinity. So there's, this, this shouldn't be a surprise, but this should be a goal. This should be a, um, an ideal that when I form my kids, raise my kids, help my kids to grow, am I aiming at that ideal that my kids will enjoy each other, enjoy being together, including each other, again, seeking each other out, supporting each other. That, that's not a gift to be taken lightly. It's something to be fostered. It's something to be pursued. And it's something to be very grateful for. And my kids responded so uh, quickly to that when I shared that with them. And they talked about, in fact, how much they enjoyed each other. And it's not perfect. It's not perfect at all. But that that's one of the things that they have seen emerge in their lives as they have gotten older. That it's so fascinating that in now these teen years, five of them, that how much they enjoy each other. So that was one of the gifts from Father's Day. All right, I'm up against the end of my program. God bless you, Dave.